I'm Belle. I'm Ellen. And welcome to Hot Goss History. Okay, um, I'm super excited. So this is the first official episode that we're, uh, I guess, recording after Ellen has moved to the UK yes. for her awesome job. I uh, made it to Bristol without too much issue. Very excited to be uh, recording across the pond. Some international podcasting going here. <laughs> okay, uh, before I even ask what we're talking about today, Ellen, do, do Brits actually say across the pond? Or is that just a thing that we made up? A lot of people in the last three weeks have said across the pond, but now I'm unsure if it's only coming from my American colleagues or if I'm hearing <laughs> that from my okay. first job. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't mean to sow seeds of doubt in you, but we will, uh, if we, if anybody who's actually British ever listens to this, will you please DM us on Instagram or email okay. us? That'd be great. And I will definitely keep a tally uh, yeah. now moving forward so I can inform <laughs> all of our listeners. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I am so excited about an episode today. I have okay. been eager, eager to do this one. Ooh, I don't even know how to introduce it. So today, our hot cost history topic is cheese caves. <laughs> I'm sorry, you say... <laughs> Oh, cheese caves. Cheese, okay. Cheese caves. Yes. I, I thought you said Jesus gave, and I was like, are you trying to convert me? <laughs> Surprise. This is actually Bible study. Bible study with Ellen Mather, everyone. The goodest Catholic girl there ever used to be. You know, Catholic school. Okay, wait. Okay. Cheese caves. I I need to know all the things. Tell me, please. Let me set the scene. So a couple weeks ago, this is how I got inspired to research this topic. I guess a couple months ago now, my sister-in-law had an interview in Iowa for a fellowship program. At a cheese cave? Not at a cheese cave. No, <laughs> yeah. at a uh, University of Iowa. So I drove out to meet my brother and sister-in-law and we're driving back from Iowa into Madison. And we passed this sign that says cheese caves this way. We're in the middle of nowhere. Wait, I've seen that sign. Yes. Yes. We're in the middle of nowhere. All we're seeing is like corn, corn, corn. And then this huge sign that says cheese caves with an arrow. And my brother and I are immediately like, what the heck is that? Like one, how do we get there? Two, what is going on in the cheese caves? Three, why is it in the middle of like middle of nowhere, Iowa, Wisconsin? Yeah. I'm not even sure where we were. So that is what started me off onto my journey. And here we go. Okay, <laughs> so here we go. Our story kicks off with Jimmy Carter. We're, yeah, we're starting back in okay. the 1970s and cheese caves and kind of where we're going with today's episode. We were in the middle of a national dairy shortage in the 1970s. Okay, hold hold the fuck up. Because, like, we were in a dairy surplus in the 1980s. Right. Gotcha. So we're in, we're in this shortage, and then some things happen. So basically, in response to the so- shortage, there is an inflation on dairy products. And then the government intervenes, trying to help kind of stabilize. Because we have the sure. shortage. Prices are going up super high. So the government tries to fix it. And instead, it results in the prices uh, falling drastically. So now we're all over the place with um, prices and dairy farmers. And so now dairy farmers, the price is super low. Dairy farmers are not doing well because the price has now dropped because the government has kind of put the little tentacles in there. Okay. Okay. I want to make some really like snap judgment, like from what I've gleaned from my best friend, Pat. Hi, Pat. I'm sure you're listening because you're a really nice friend fanboy. He's an econ PhD. 
uh, in my high school econ class, but I've got nothing. I, yeah. So. And I will say there's a lot in here about like government intervening, changing prices, the free market. And I am not an econ major. I might not be describing it in the best way, but no, you're good. You're good. This, is, like, this is where we are. <laughs> we want free cheese markets, free healthcare and free, free cheese, cheese markets. markets for all. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait. Okay. So the government has interfered with the cheese market and right. So we have the shortage and now we've intervened. So now the prices are plummeting. And so then in 1977, President Jimmy Carter decides now we're going to pour money into the dairy industry to motivate more production of dairy products to alleviate this now price and dairy crisis. Okay. Okay. So to do this, he proposes raising the price of milk by about six cents a gallon, which is okay. pretty significant. So the government then set up a new policy to subsidize dairy to be able to kind of do that six cent increase. And they ended up providing $2 billion to the dairy industry over the next four years, which is- Billion with a B? Billion with a B. B as in boy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but kind of during my research, it was like almost half of the country was like living in rural areas at this time. And then almost half of the people in rural areas were farmers. So helping the farmers, people were viewing as you're helping a, a large portion of Americans- Okay, so in 1970, a gallon of milk was 132. So that would have been basically a a 4% price hike, which is not awful, but like also not great. Okay, today it's 382 for a conventional gallon of whole milk. 2% 70. Oh my God, a half gallon of organic whole milk costs more than a gallon of conventional whole milk. I know. Basically, you have to pay extra money for not giving your cows drugs. But like, I don't know. Wait, how much does a gallon of milk cost? Okay, a gallon of milk cost. All right. I guess it's going to be a liter. And keep in mind, this is about four liters to a gallon. Don't at me, fellow STEM people. I don't. I'm not in QA anymore. I don't care. Wait, I don't know. Brit- what is a PPL? Is that a pence per liter? Pounds per liter. Wait, two pounds per liter? Or that's be two pence per liter. You know what, UK, I don't know how much your milk costs. And right now I don't really care because wait, wait, that was a pound sign. I know. Thanks. <laughs> this is I hard. think that my, I don't, I bought like a smallish one, like maybe a, a liter. And I think it was like 150 pounds. Okay. Oh, two liters is okay. uh 1.95 pounds. That's okay. Wait, 1.95 pounds. Okay. Uh, let's see. Pounds to USD. Wow. Okay. That's like five bucks and 20 cents for a gallon of milk. However, I don't know about animal welfare in the UK, but. Okay. So back to Jimmy Carter. So the way he's planning to do this increase basically is that any milk that is produced that is not sold on the market the government will buy and in order for it to be effective like they have to buy all the milk that's produced like so he started the federal milk subsidy yes yes okay exactly so then it's now farmers that were struggling are now motivated to produce as much milk and dairy product as they can because they know whatever is not sold on the market the government is gonna buy up So now, like you said, we're going into this super overproduction of dairy. 
Um, and now the government has kind of like backed itself to a corner and we have buying up and subsidizing incredible amounts of wait, wait okay hold on are the che- were the cheese caves a product of jimmy carter that's that's where we're getting yes oh my okay in my head i was thinking like these cute little bavarian women storing their goat cheese in a cave no no <laughs> it is just really the unthought out american government okay i'm, I'm gonna Please keep going. This is better than I could have ever possibly imagined. (laughs) So at this point by, and we're kind of skipping a little bit ahead here, but by the early 1980s, the government owned over 50 million pounds of cheese. Wait. Oh my God. 50 million pounds. That's a lot. It's a lot of cheese. And to think about it. So they're, they're buying up all this dairy. Sometimes they're buying it further down the, like the product chain line and they're buying cheese instead because those cheesemakers are buying the, the milk, which is, you know, what is ultimately what they want to do. But if you think about it, like milk is incredibly hard to store and goes bad fairly yeah. quickly. Uh-huh. So they start to convert a lot of that milk into um, cheese because there's a longer shelf life than milk. Yeah. And the government is like super struggling and trying to figure oh, wait, out so how do we solve Before this? this was just milk. Like they weren't actually like so the farmers were only making milk. They weren't like making milk products. There, there is both. So the government is buying just like milk that's produced, but they're also buying okay, cheese, okay. cheese like, and okay. loads of cheese that's produced. Okay. So, okay. So the government, so is the government buying milk and then making cheese as well? No, in general, they're okay. having like cheese producers okay. make it, Okay. but cool. the milk that they are buying is either being or just the milk in general, it's either being converted into basically powdered milk. So that then that has a longer shelf life and they're mm-hmm. starting to send that overseas to try to be like a humanitarian effort. Because again, we have 50 million pounds of cheese, overwhelming yeah. amount of milk. So they're trying to send some of it for sure a- abroad. And then they have all this cheese as well that they're buying from all the cheese makers. But cheese mm-hmm. you can't send abroad quite as easily. Doesn't have as long a shelf life, things like that. So it starts to go into a lot of these cheese caves. But I kind of skipped ahead a little bit there. Okay. So the government is buying cheese, but the government doesn't want to be buying like, you know, bottom of the barrel cheese. They're like, we'll buy all the cheese that is produced, but it has to be grade A cheese. So to have this cheese grade, there um, were a bunch of cheese graders, like, like a teacher grading papers. And so I listened to an interview that was done. So do cheese graders have to grate cheese while they're grating? <laughs> no. <laughs> that was, I, I could not resist the dad joke. It was there and I took it. So I listened to this interview with this cheese grater named Bob Ashenbrock. And he spent 30 years as a USDA cheese inspector. He sounds so wholesome. Yes, he is. He is an incredibly <laughs> wholesome, incredibly like pure sounding man. Yeah. I loved him. And so he said that the government was buying powdered milk, butter, and cheddar cheese, but only grade A cheddar. That was like, I was going to say cheddar. It's like, because like you think of government cheese, it's like that weird orange cheese. Yes, yes, exactly. But he was saying that like that was still incredibly high quality. Mm-hmm. Like people make fun <laughs> of government cheese, but he's like, it's actually like, very high standard. I've definitely, well, so I like, I worked at a food bank for a hot minute in college. Um, 
How about distribution? Distribution. I have a lisp, listeners. Um, it's just going to get more apparent the more wine that I drink. But, um, <laughs> but no, it's actually like pretty solid cheese. Like, I guess my job was to help older people, old people, not they were old people. Uh, nothing wrong with being old peeps if you're listening to this, but now old people with like make nutritious meals out of stuff in their box. And mm-hmm. government cheese is like, it makes a pretty damn good grilled cheese. Not going to lie. But yes, continue with your great HL. Yeah. Well, and we will get into government cheese like in depth in a little bit. So he's our cheese grater. And to grade cheese, it's kind of like, have you ever watched those shows like Wicked Tuna where they like take the core of the tuna? Okay. Yeah. Your eyes got as big as saucers. I I love that. Okay. I have this memory as a child of sitting. Yeah. I'm sitting in my kitchen with my dad. Sorry. Go into the kitchen like in the middle of the night and like finding my dad eating peanut butter out of the jar with like a butter knife, joining him eating peanut butter. And then on our kitchen TV, like those like little kitchen TVs, like, you know, your mom would use to like watch the today show or like good morning America or something. Um, And he would put on the discovery channel and it was like wicked tuna or deadliest catch. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking of being a child with my dad in the kitchen, eating peanut butter out of the jar, the butter knife and watching wicked tuna. I love that. The nostalgia. So they, it's like a little, like, kind of like a straw is what I'm imagining. Oh my imagining. God, I've seen those, I've seen those. Like the, like the Sargento commercials. E, okay, sure. It's like a little, it's like a spile, but for the cheese. Yes, yes. And so he would stick that into the blocks of cheese, pull out okay. like the core sample, or like imagine taking like a soil sample, like similar thing. You're getting the, the core sample. And then he would test all of the cheese and- he said that there are 17 defects that he would have to reject cheese for. So to be grade A, there was like it, quite a standard. So the 17 things or a list of them. Okay, tell me the things I need to know. He would reject cheese if it had these qualities. So if they were flat, bitter, yeasty, malty, fruity, old milk, metallic, weedy, sour, barney. I'm not sure what barney flavor is. Wait, Barney with a with an E Y or just a Y? I wrote it in my notes with a Y because I okay. was just hearing him speak. Well, I, I'm guessing it's a because like I can't describe it, but like I can I know what a barn smells like, and I can think what a barn tastes like. If that makes and like it's not a bad smell, but I don't want to eat the smell. <laughs> um, the other things include onion, lipase, sulfite, weitanic, and acidity. All of those things would disqualify your cheese. Yeah. Well, they fucking should. I spent a semester working at the winery. I, a lot of those things are like the same, like not stellar thing, question wine, but like mm-hmm. even just like being a biochem student in undergrad, like a lot of those things, like just thinking about what they mean and like, yeah, no, reject those. No, I don't want to eat that cheese, but yeah. Yes. I don't want metallic cheese or yeasty cheese. Like also though, to be fair, like a lot of those things are essentially do have like potential food poisoning, you know, uh, implications, right? Like you, you might not, you know, get like sick, sick, but like, obviously you don't really want to eat a heavily yeasty food because a, you can get food poisoning. You could actually get like some kind of infection or whatever, or like, I don't know about if you could get auto brewery syndrome from cheese, but like, that's a fun topic. What is auto brewery? But auto brewery syndrome is when there's a live, there are live yeast cultures, like colonies in your stomach. 
and they're actively fermenting and they're actually making you drunk all the time because oh. you didn't properly make beer. And that's like a real thing. And people, it's been like, it's actually a defense in court because people didn't know that they had auto brew. They've been drunk for like, they've been like ro- ride, roving around drunk. I'm like, <laughs> well, seriously. Okay. Thankfully nobody died, but there was this case. This guy got like, he hit something with his car, like a bad accident. And they're like, sir, you're intoxicated. And he's like, I literally haven't had any drink. And they're like, you're, you're, he's like, what do you mean? And it took a man who was drunk. He's like, but I haven't. And then like, they figured it out. And like, it wasn't his fault. Right. Like he hadn't had anything to drink. So like, and it was, yeah. So I saw there was a Grey's Anatomy uh, yeah, the, episode about that. Yes. There's a thing on like literally every medical TV show about auto breweries. It's a, it's a cool syndrome. It's fascinating, like, right? Like, oh, I ate bread and now I'm drunk. Like, I know. How fun. I mean, horrible, but fun. <laughs> I mean, a lot of things are horrible, but fun. Like, let's be honest. Like, that's why when I go to therapy and my, my therapist is like, you need to stop using humor as a coping mechanism. But I'm like, well, it's a little bit funny though. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Yeasty cheese. Okay. So 17 things he's rejecting the cheese. Cause he is a strict yet kind and just man. Okay. So yes, beyond that. What's so, next? okay. So Bob, he is talking about like at this time, again, just the government is buying up so much of this cheese that it's an incredibly demanding job and they cannot find enough cheese graters. And so he said that he like on, he had gone to 39 states, um, like in a trip and he would sometimes be gone for 10 weeks at a time to buy cheese and be a cheese grater. They're trying to find people to fill these roles. And like, they, they couldn't because people were like, no, I'd rather have a girlfriend than be gone for 10 weeks at a time sampling cheese. Yeah. I guess there wasn't Tinder at this time. So like, and this man is so wholesome and the person interviewing him was like, oh, like I get that, you know, like love over cheese or sex over cheese. And he was like, I don't know. Cheese will do it every time. It was so sweet. It was like so wholesome. (laughs) They're buying all this cheese, grade A only. And he says that every warehouse in Wisconsin is filled with cheese now because now we, we just need to store it. We have all of this cheese. We're not sure where to put it. So this is where we start to get into cheese caves. Every warehouse in Wisconsin, including beverage distributions, every cold storage in the U.S. is now packed with cheese. Every cold storage in the U.S. Like, can you imagine that? And this is what, wait, what year is this now? 19, I guess 1980s. Okay. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, this is when the, yes. Okay. I know it's going to, I think I know what's going to happen with milk next. Because I know this from a vegan friend standpoint, not from like a fun (laughs) cheesecake standpoint. So then, so we have cheese in every cold storage in the U.S. And this includes caves. And the largest cave is in Springfield, Missouri. And this is the U.S., the United States' largest stockpile of cheese. And right now there's 1.2 billion pounds of surplus cheese in, right now, in the Springfield, Missouri cheese caves. Today. So this is, this is like my most exciting part of the whole episode. So this cheese cave, it's a hundred feet below ground and the caves are kept at 36 degrees Fahrenheit. And there's an elaborate system of pumps and steam and coolant that keep the cheese at the right temperature. So like we were talking about being below ground is helpful and it's to protect this quote I have is to protect the buried inventory, which makes it sound so intense. (laughs) 
this is okay. I have a lot of thoughts about the dairy industry, but frankly, this is so wholesome. I can't eat it. So there, a description of this Missouri cheese cave, there's thousands of red, orange, and yellow barrels that line the floor like an industrial sunset, each oversized trash can weighing 680 pounds and filled to the brim with dairy. So the, so there are other cheese caves throughout the U.S. and the cheese is currently being stored in hundreds of warehouses in 35 states right now. And some of that's in warehouses, some of that's in cheese caves. Okay. The the biggest one, like we talked about, is in Missouri. And it's actually in a converted limestone mine. Okay. And it takes up about half an acre of space, which is a lot of space for cheese. And I spent hours like yeah. trying to find like a map of where all the cheese caves are because that is what originally sparked my interest right it's like I want to see Ellen do you want to go on a cheese cave tour we find all the cheese caves but impossible to find guys if we go on tour it's only going to be in cheese cave cities <laughs> I'm the most disappointed about in this episode that I do not have a map to tell you or our listeners about but they're everywhere they're sprinkled throughout but the biggest one is in Missouri this is a very tangential podcast. Like if you're not about that, you, you better leave now. You got to get out. A couple facts about cheese. They're maybe not in the right order in my outline here, but throwing them in. So I found that cheese takes up about one tenth of the volume of the milk it was made from. So that was part of the reason that we started to, you okay. know, convert it to, we talked about some of that milk was turned into non-fat dry milk and that was sent overseas but then cheese has a much shorter shelf life so you can't distribute it internationally it has to be distributed domestically and the cheese in this cheese cave the cheese is typically stored in 45 pound boxes or 500 pound barrels so like like huge I've seen the boxes but like that's a big ass barrel no one is going to be able to do anything with a 45 pound box of cheese. So they, that's when they started packaging it into five pound blocks. And that's kind of where government cheese starts to come in, which is where we'll go next. So now we're, we have all of this cheese in the cheese caves procured by our cheese graters. And then by 1984, the U.S. was storing about five pounds of cheese for every American. So a lot of cheese, a lot of space, a lot of cheese and cheese is perishable. Just keep that in mind. It does not last forever. (laughs) So this now we're into Ronald Reagan and having just this overwhelming surplus of cheese. um, Ronald Reagan enacted a public distribution of government cheese in 1981. And so this was some legislation to try to get rid of our surplus of cheese but we had to go about it in a very like particular way mm-hmm. because the whole reason we have all this cheese, right, is that we were trying to control dairy prices. And if you all of a sudden now release all of this cheese, our 1.2 billion pounds of cheese, yes. then we're kind of back where we started. And, you know, super large supply yeah. brings mm-hmm. the price down. So I know where this is going and I'm very excited to hear you tell it. We have all of this cheese. We can't like just sell it or put it back out on the market because then all the dairy farmers are are getting upset. Grocery stores, they thought about like having grocery stores help them distribute it. They're like, no, we don't want any part of your cheese distribution plan. 
we're kind of in in a panic state. And so in 1981, the Secretary of Agriculture, John R. Block, he shows up at the White House and he has a five pound block of moldy cheese. He comes in and he tells reporters at the White House, we've got 60 million of these that the government owns. It's moldy. It's deteriorating. We can't find a market for it. We can't sell it. And we're looking to give some of it away. Like, let that sink in. He's like, we've got moldy cheese. We can't sell it. We don't know what to do with it. We're just going to, we're going to give it away. I mean, okay, wait, first of all, was his name John Block, you said? John R. Block had a block of cheese. Okay. I wanted a picture of him holding the block of cheese, but I don't think people knew that was going to happen that day. Man, that might have to be my Halloween costume this year. Sexy John Block with a block of moldy cheese. <laughs> Love that. There are some people that are like, you know, like I said, we're not sure what to do with this cheese, but we know we need to do something with it. And there was a USDA official that told the Washington Post, probably the cheapest and most practical thing to do would be to dump it in the ocean. Honestly, the logistics of distributing that much cheese, maybe. But. (gasps) Okay, side note, I just, I had this gut feeling that John R. Block would be a hottie back in the day. He's not a hottie when he helped block a cheese, but like part of me thinks that had I been watching CNN and this guy was like, look at this cheese. And I'm like, ooh, a whistleblower. John Block can get it. John R. Block could, could not get it then, cannot get it now. He looks like AliExpress, um, Ronald Reagan, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> he does. Oh, man. Um, we will post a, we'll post a picture of him on Instagram. Yes. Okay. So we're not putting the cheese in the ocean. He's... Raising alarms. He's raising alarms. We've got all this cheese, which if you think about it, like taxpayers are paying for it. We're letting it just go moldy, right? No, they are. It's like they're paying for, and like essentially the government is, because like I, they had good yes. misguided intentions at first. Like I get it, but like, it, it's like, you know, that some things that are happening currently where like, you know, the government makes policies about things without actually consulting the people that, you know, their, their literal job is to talk about those things. Like, I really wonder if Congress is like, well, let's get some dairy farmers in on this. I probably know is the answer, well, right? So the, the issue there is that to the dairy farmers, like this was great, right? Like they're able to produce and make a lot yeah. of money. So they want mm-hmm. this to continue. No, for sure. But like, again, it's like, Regardless, yeah, they're stockpiling this cheese, making a cheese monopoly. The only difference is obviously cheese to the shelf life. But at this point, it's not ethical anymore. Like it's, they've got right. their, they've backed themselves into a corner, right? Like there has to be an end right. to like the good cheese years. And it, it, I feel bad for the dairy farmers because right. they've become used to this thing. And but then the government, I don't, I, yeah, no, there's cheese just... We're, we're hemorrhaging cheese money. We had Vietnam. They're like, you know, it's better than war cheese. The U.S. Department of Agriculture writes cheese vats across the country remain full in efforts to manage the plentiful milk supply as stocks build storage availability is becoming a concern. And so that's kind of where we are when government cheese is born. So wait, okay. So what year is this when welfare is? We are in the late 80s. Well, mid 80s. Like, what, what do you know about government cheese? I don't know that I've actually ever interacted with it, but it sounds like you have. Yes, I have a government cheese. It's not like 
phenomenal, but it, if you didn't know what it was, it would just be cheese, right? Like this is big stigma around it. It's not pretty cheese. Like it doesn't have a pretty label or anything, but it's just like a big old block of cheese. And I guarantee if somebody like cut it up and made it like look pretty, you you would not know, but it it's not a visually appealing cheese. Like it looks like you put a bunch of craft singles together and just everything them. I've read has said it, it has like a yellow orange kind of color. It's um, similar ish to yep. Velveeta is kind of the closest you can get to it. It makes good grilled cheeses. Like what I ever eat on crackers, probably not. But like if you grew up in an area where it's where you knew, like at least in retrospect, like kids who were on welfare or food stamps, like whose families were, then you've had it before. And if you're a kid, you're going to love it because it ta- it's just like the mildest. So at this point, the we've got government cheese, we've got it all in our warehouses. And Reagan's like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to start distributing this to people. Reagan, my man. Not really. I just think so. The federal government distributed cheese in these five pound blocks through the temporary emergency food assistance program, and it was given away for free. Let's see. The cheese was distributed to people on welfare, food stamps, um, and social security through that temporary emergency food assistance program, and that happened up until and through the 1990s. Mm -hmm. And kind of the theory here was that if you give the cheese away to people who can't afford it, then you're not stealing business from the real cheese sellers. That was kind of the the reason why they were like, well, we're not flooding the market because these are folks that wouldn't be buying cheese anyway. Honestly, that's actually not a bad rationale. The other thing that I found interesting when researching this was that Reagan was elected by like making promises of cutting back on our like food stamps and like assistance programs way oh that's right so that was like some of his campaign promises is like i'm gonna cut back on welfare and welfare fraud and things like that and then he goes and signs this okay so to be fair and i know that everybody who watches letter cutty is like to be fair at home i think that's like the only kind of food stamps that republicans would be jazzed about because he's basically taking something that's essentially costing government money right and getting rid of it like Uh, right yeah i mean you're liquidating an asset that it's actually taking you more money to maintain so you're almost making a weird you're you're liquidating you're not making a profit like those costs are sunk and there's actual upkeep costs well there's storage costs how do how does somebody i'm genuinely curious how do you keep up well they have all of their like coolant systems to keep it at the right temperature oh wait wait wait. so they're not just like hanging out in the cave they have retrofitted the cave yeah too far too far jimmy and i agree with you it's like right he has this thing that he's getting rid of but it was like people were mad at the time i mean there's a lot of things today even i mean a lot of especially for the most part, very educated people, they tend to skew quite moderate mm-hmm. because they are so educated. My brother-in-law, for instance, um, they're so educated about government spending, you know, figures, things like that, that they have a really hard time understanding that most people don't know these things, right? Like I guarantee if you're mad about the welfare state with the cheese at this time, right? Like you don't understand, well, you probably A, don't understand what it's like to be hungry and B, what is he supposed to do? Like he got handed this problem of the cheese caves. Like it's like getting handed a war. A war on cheese. 
Okay, so at this point, we're starting to give away government cheese. Policy is that they're going to be giving away 300 million pounds of cheese, of government cheese. But when you think about it, it barely puts a dent in our 1.4 billion pounds of cheese that we currently have. Wait, it's right quick. So we're at yep. bill. Okay, so 300 million, a billion. Okay, so a thousand million is it? Wait, 300 billion. And we have 1.4 billion and then 1.4 right? billion. Yeah. Yeah, that's like 21%. It does make sure a, a dent, but we're not like totally solving our problem. And, yeah, no, we're super now. Right. And, and for a visual here, 1.4 billion pounds of cheese would take up roughly 900,303 cubic yards. And that mountain of cheese is comparable to the size of the U.S. Capitol building. Okay. Is it bad that I'm still underwhelmed? <laughs> no, because that sounds huge, right? Like 1.4 billion pounds sounds huge. But if you think the visual that they showed it does, in the then article, you put it all together. It was like a, a one round like wheel of cheese. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that would be a very big wheel of cheese. This like signing into like, you know, getting rid of all this cheese is our government cheese. And I found this very cool quote from this guy called Andrew Novik. He's a professor of agriculture economics at Cornell. And he said, people talk about food assistance programs as if they were created to help poor people out. Yes, that's true. But almost all of the major food assistance programs were ideas that came from agriculture because we had too much of something. Yes. Oh, my God. I am so happy that I see. I, part of me almost said that I'm so happy this is making it to mainstream media, but we're not mainstream media. Not one bit. <laughs> Yeah. Um, honestly, everything is tied to a lobby. Everything's, everything's being lobbied for. If you look about like the USGA recommendations, lobbies. Yeah. No. Ketchup is a vegetable in your children's schools. Fun fact. That's not even a joke. And like, so that is. is, is one of the things like the government starts to try to push cheese and push dairy so like if we can get other people to start consuming more the government doesn't have to buy as much to subsidize so schools is one place another is prisons um are both places that that's pushed so school milk accounts for seven percent of all fluid milk sales in the united states oh my god yes did you guys have like did you get to choose in the morning in elementary school like did you want chocolate or regular milk one point we had milk pouches it was like it was like a pa- it literally it was what like the almost like New a York bean bag looking thing but full of milk and but the problem was you like you had a straw like a Capri Sun and you were supposed to stab it but obviously we're like fourth graders and we stabbed it all the way through the bag at, like almost every day there's milk <laughs> everywhere everywhere eventually we switched to cartons with those milk bags which is so gross to think about but like that was a problem but the the, (laughs) like milk in school lunches is due in part to the national school lunch program that requires fluid milk to be offered alongside daily free meals so it's required which is so fucked up for so many reasons like I get it but I also just there's a special milk program that and that also promotes the dairy heavy school meals 
yeah, like I didn't realize so much of my knowledge about dairy subsidies is because where I grew up, there's a lot of people who are on food assistance and I didn't know that wasn't normal. And I also didn't know that that was a, like, I didn't realize that I was abnormal, which is a testament to being like fortunate as a kid. But also that when I was in, um, I mean, fun, sad fact, uh, when I was in middle school, all the girls would get skim milk instead of other milk because I thought the chocolate milk would make them fat. And like, you couldn't get 1% or 2% or whole milk. That's like Napoleon Dynamite when he's like, are you drinking skim milk? Cause you think you're fat. (laughs) Cause you think you're fat. Because you don't need to. You could drink whole if you wanted to. Oh, my God. Okay, let's see. So that special milk program, it reimburses all participating schools for their fluid milk purchases in an effort to lower milk prices. So kind of that continuing thing. Similar thing with prisons, that they're a very attractive place for, for dairy. They're an attractive institution. Yeah, because it's a stable purchaser of dairy, there's like always going to be inmates that you have to feed that will fulfill some of the food requirements that the federal government has. So similar to lunches, you have to have milk, a similar thing with prisons. So both of those are ways that we're trying to push that dairy agenda. Yeah, I mean, and if you guys ever are ever curious, if you don't live in the US and you're curious about what this all means, go ahead and look up honestly, most of your countries versus the U.S. uh, standard school lunch. Our school lunches actually has uh, lower requirements than our prison school lunches because this thing called the prison industrial complex. But it's real sad. Either way, it's real sad. And also uh, for children who can't or don't want to drink dairy milk, uh, soy milk is about three times the amount of dairy milk in schools. And, And kind of off of that of like, if you can't drink milk, one of the things I found is that a generalization and, you know, maybe not something to speak too much to, but a lot of the folks that were being given the government cheese were, you know, socially, economically disadvantaged. And a lot of that happens to be like the black population in the United States. And a lot of those people suffer from being lactose intolerant. So like we're giving this food to people that can't can't digest it appropriately and they may or may not have other options of food to eat so like are we just like making folks sick you know because they they don't have a choice to not eat the food that is given to them with these assistance programs exactly i mean like the quote-unquote like the welfare diet i mean if you eat white pasta for dinner every night with just with the sugary tomato sauce that came in your welfare you know box and you know you're also eating this cheese and you can't really eat cheese Mm -hmm. you're gonna feel like shit the next day frankly and you're not gonna be very productive at work and then it's really hard to like quote unquote get a good job if you're sick all the time right i mean i'm not at all equating you know dietary issues for the most part with like you know having a chronic illness or cancer however I I imagine that most of our listeners probably have never been food insecure um, or have ever had to eat that way or lived in a food desert. I mean, again, not I do not have that experience in that way. I, you know, I've never had to be food insecure, but I do have friends that have. And and I've also just been like some person that's eaten like crap because, you know, I was a, a youth but I also had the ability to buy good food for myself, right? Um, 
but even if just think about a person who is food, if you're a person who has never been food insecure, you know, like you spent a week, you know, eating takeout and processed junk. And then you, you know, go back to eating quote unquote, well, right. You're eating greens and fish and regular protein and whatever, not processed junk. You feel a lot better. You sleep better. It's from things. So it's just like, man, everything, America ruins everything. That's just the truth. Really, we do. I, I mean, damn it, Jimmy Carter, your damn peanut head. Really? But government cheese does have like quite a cultural impact as well. Um, so it comes up a lot in kind of pop culture. So there's references in some Kendrick Lamar songs, some Jay-Z songs. And in 2017, there's a clip of Snoop Dogg, like teaching Martha Stewart about government cheese. Yes, yes. So there's a clip. There's this clip where she's like, oh, I've never seen government cheese. Like, where do you buy this? And Snoop Dogg's like, no, no, no. You got to be on that special mailing list. Um, and yeah, so, so government <laughs> cheese comes up like quite a bit and just like in pop culture around this time because it, it is being distributed like pretty widely. It, so we have all of this cheese all of this dairy and there is like some heavy lobbying of like how do we make people like want to eat more cheese kind of all the time so I have uh, some statistics here that according to the International Dairy Deli Baker Association 77% of shoppers think that cheese is part of a healthy diet and 87% say it makes a great snack that's the best thing I found <laughs> that is so cute <laughs> Can you <laughs> also let's just uh, you guys can't see us when Alan said that she said that with like the face of like a first grader who was like and I got an A on my spelling test and cheese makes a great but I, thought, I thought that kind of spoke to like overall people people are feeling good things about cheese and to kind of help like bolster that, the government yeah. established Dairy Management, which is like an organization, and it's still operating today. And Dairy Management, it's federally funded nonprofit corporation, and its mission is to promote American-made dairy products. So trying to have the consumers almost subsidize the dairy industry instead of the government. Yeah, I don't love that. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't love that. I'm not even going to get it. I don't love that. <laughs> Basically, I think of it as like a dairy propaganda machine. It's dairy propaganda, sugar propaganda, but dairy prop- meat propaganda. All Okay, if you literally have anything that's vaguely profitable, someone's going to make it into propaganda in the U.S. Seriously, we God, we're a weird place. Like really, the yeah, we are. Is, is there UK dairy propaganda? Is that a thing? I haven't found it yet but I'll be on the lookout. Yeah. Let me know. If, is I want to know if there's council cheese. That's what I would like to know. <laughs> so this organization, the dairy management, they have different kind of, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Like not promotions. They have different Campaigns. That's what I'm looking okay, for. Okay. Okay. Different campaigns. And some of them are pretty recognizable, like their Got Milk campaign. Oh, yeah, with the celebrities. Yes. They have also the Fuel Up to Play 60 campaign. And they also are part of the Domino's bailout following the 2010 recession. Oh, my God. I didn't, I forgot that, but like I also didn't. Okay. Fun fact, though. I, I think I read it in like J14 or something in like the eighth grade, like that magazine. 
but the milk mustache they used to paint on celebrities was just Elmer's glue and cornstarch, apparently. So. Which love that. And I was mm-hmm. fascinated by this dairy management group and how like they are promoting dairy. And honestly, I feel and I still feel this way that like that got milk campaign was like very formative almost. Like we had absolutely everywhere, like in in every cafeteria, you know, and and I still feel like milk is a you know, very healthy part of diet. And I think mainly because of that got milk campaign. Well, like baby bisexual Belle during the Cinderella story era saw Chad Michael Murray and Hilary Duff on her cafeteria walls Mm -hmm. with milk mustaches. And she didn't know that she was like, who is cuter? We don't know. (laughs) But yeah, also the Chad Michael Murray could get it with a milk mustache. Hilary, Hilary Duff just like, I don't think she drinks milk anymore. I don't know. Well, okay, so during the two decades that Got Milk dominated the public consciousness. Is it still here? Not, it's not nearly, it does not have the chokehold on American society that okay, it okay, did. Okay. <laughs> but during those, the the two decades that it was like really rampant, it had more than 70 commercials on television in California alone. And oh. it had some 350 milk mustache ads that ran nationally on yeah. print and on TV. I remember. Like, yeah, right. And on any given day, an estimated 80% of all U.S. consumers came into contact with, with some of that marketing. Oh, of the my God. Campaign, which, like, like we're talking about, in our cafeterias, like, yeah. you know. Cut out. Seriously, everywhere. Or even on, okay, I'm not even kidding. Maybe this is just... Um, like the Mandela effect, but I swear to God on Hershey's cookies and cream candy bars. I remember there being like, this would go with milk slash got milk. Mm. Well, that was part of their campaign. So when they're coming up for the got milk, like slogan, they had people like refrain from drinking milk for a week to like get them. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I, I, I don't really understand what the process was behind it. But um, there was this one participant who was like trying to stick really hard to like, he was in this focus group and they told him not to drink milk. So he didn't, but then like he went to have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and he went to have some cereal and he's like, ah, I wish I could have some milk. And then that kind of led to them being like, oh, this would be great. But like, do you have any milk? And that kind of led to the snappy, like got milk phrase. Okay. That's a pretty good phrase I mean okay so I used to literally drink almost I'm not even kidding nearly a gallon of milk a day as like I loved I'm not even kidding yeah I was a milk loving youth and then um so I have rosacea and then in high school I um huge into milk I have rosacea still but I've kind of gotten under control but it used to be way worse and I also had terrible chacne and bacne and it was like cystic it was painful acne right Aww. like it, yeah I mean like well I didn't think it was that bad but like my mom you know when your mom is like that's no mm-hmm. so she went to the dermatologist or something else and like I grew up in the middle of nowhere so we had to drive to Woodruff Wisconsin for the dermatologist and this dermatologist little old man um he looks at my acne and he says oh my god that is disgusting and I'm like, uh, he wasn't even being mean. He was just like came out and I'm like, I, it's okay. Like I started laughing so hard, but like my mom, when I, I love her to death and she's like, you shouldn't wear V-necks like no, no. Oh, 
I think it made her more self-conscious than it made me because mm-hmm. I think, well, A, it was painful. Like that sucked. But I think she was just thinking like if she was my age and she had that acne, she'd be self-conscious. Regardless yeah. though, the big TLDR was uh, the hormones in milk mimic testosterone because they're like HGH, human growth hormone. Oh. And that gives you, it does. Uh, yeah. If you have cystic acne and you're still drinking lots of milk or having lots of cheese, you might want to not. Um, granted I was having a lot every day and I basically completely cut it out of my diet for a few years. I mean, if we talked about all milk is boob milk from some kind of boob breast milk and formula, we feed it to infants because mm-hmm. we want them to grow, right? Cow's milk is fed to baby cows. So they grow, right? It, it is milk is growth hormone. And if you are someone who is done growing, then it's going to do some stuff you probably don't want it to do. I'm still trying to get taller. I'm trying to, you know, start for the New York Liberty. I <laughs> You wish you were a little bit taller? Wish you were a baller? Honestly, I wish my Stilo is such a pure jam. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of milk to be drinking, though. Like a gallon. Like I, I drink a fair amount of milk, but I've never drank a gallon a day. <laughs> I have a couple stats for us for Got Milk, the Got Milk okay. campaign, because like we said, and you called out a couple already with just your like what you'd seen in your lunchrooms. But there are like an overwhelming amount of A-list celebrities that are participating in the in the Got Milk campaign. So I pulled out a few of my favorites. And among the list, we have Harrison Ford, Britney Spears, Kate Moss, Dennis Rodman, Photographed nude. That was called out in particular in. That was um, Kate Moss, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Harrison yeah. Ford, Britney Spears, Kate Moss. Wait, yeah. they were all nude? No, 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 no. Just, just Dennis Kate Rodman. Moss. No, no, no. Oh, just, just Dennis Rodman was photographed. Wait, nude. oh my. Wait, I know who he is, but one second. He's a basketball I, player for the Chicago Bulls. Well, he you played, assume that I know what sports are, Ellen. He also like wore. Oh, he has the rainbow dress. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dennis Rodman. He also is like trying to do negotiations with North Korea through basketball. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> He's wild. That's right. Didn't he, isn't he that guy that put on a wedding dress and was like, yes. I marry me? Yes, exactly. Dennis Rodman, he's so cool. I'm obsessed with him. He's a little problematic maybe, but he's incredibly I feel fun. like he might need to get in a mood stabilizer. And I say that as it takes one to know. He one. might, but was he an amazing, like gritty basketball player? Yes. And do I love him for that? Yes. <laughs> Ellen likes sports. He, okay. Tangent on Dennis Rodman. He like, didn't play basketball growing up. He was working as like a custodian at a job and okay. would play like there was like a court, like in the back of the warehouse that they worked in and he would play there. That's how he so, like became like a basketball player. So, he's, so he's basketball goodwill hunting. Yes. That's what you're telling me. Yes, that is exactly okay. what I'm telling you. Yes. Anyway, look- <laughs> <laughs> the tangent that I've taken us on. Okay, our list of A-list celebrities. Where was I? Patrick Ewing, Joan Rivers, Hanson, The Simpsons, Kermit the Frog, Tom Brady, Jennifer Aniston, Brett Favre, Tyra Banks, Serena Williams, Alex Trebek, Billy Ray Cyrus, Jackie Chan, Dr. Phil, Michelle Kwan, and Danny DeVito. Okay, mild side note. So I, I Googled his got milk picture mm-hmm. and there's one of Heidi Klum in a sexy um, Oktoberfest, like a, 
oh, what's it called? And she's wearing a dirndl in a cow with like wow. porn star Pippi Longstocking <laughs> braids. And I'm like, this is just cringeworthy. There's also a Steven Tyler with like a weird milk mustache and his giant ass mouth. But right. There were so yeah. many celebrities. And I, I had a website pulled up that I wanted us to look at. So you could pick your favorite. Because I'll give you a second. You can scroll through and pick who's your favorite, which you don't have to go through all of them because I tried and it took me a long time. It's there's over a hundred. Okay. Yeah. Rachel and Phoebe Ob's uh Britney Spears kind of eh. Okay, Lindsay Lohan just looks like a serial killer in this picture. We've already seen it. I don't love Steven Tyler. Rebecca Romine will always obey. Let's be honest. Okay. The Frasier pick might be iconic with their little glasses. Like that's a vibe. See, no, no. Hillary Duff. She, she's the, she's the queen of my heart. It's true. I love her. Is she your favorite one? She, I think I always do my favorite. Got milk <laughs> ad. Like Mark. Okay. No, I take it back. Mike Myers. Yes. That one is pretty good. So good. Okay, why the fuck is the button on Tyra Banks' jeans undone in her Got Milk photo? I'm Whoa, very confused. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, you're right. I did not notice that. That is weird. They missed a big opportunity with Chrisley Brink- Christy Brinkley's ad with her kids because they could have had her kid like boob feeding while she's drinking milk. It's like Got Milkception. Big opportunity missed there, man. <laughs> oh, I like yeah. that. Okay. I see they, they actually there's some really good ads though like as funny as the weird ones there are like okay I think frankly the ones with the cast are actually everybody loves Raymond cast from 2000 share some calcium with the ones you love it is an excellent ad oh my god it's hilarious mm-hmm. I used to watch everyone's baby with my grandparents so like Aww. maybe it's not actually that funny but like to me it's hilarious they did Venus and Serena so dirty I no, I did not like that one because they are both very beautiful. And in this ad, yes. they, don't, they don't look ideal. Well, they put these like stark white beads on their braids, but then like those stark white beads, they color match them to the milk mustache. And it's just throwing me off. It's too much. Yeah. Like put them like in, like they have, they're these gorgeous women. And it's like, why are, again, you're doing them so dirty. And also just like, if, if you know them at all, you know, they're beautiful in this picture with this weird paint. They also like covering their, I don't even know. So I have a very fun fact about Whoopi Goldberg. So yeah, tell me. she really wanted to participate in the Got Milk campaign, but one of the requirements was that you had to be a milk drinker and Whoopi Goldberg is actually lactose intolerant. So she was, she was upset that she could not be a part of it until. So this was like an iconic yes, thing to do. Yes. People like really wanted to participate in the Got Milk campaign because I think similar to you and I, like they'd seen the Got Milk posters and it yeah. was like kind of iconic. So she wanted to participate, was lactose intolerant, could not because she was not a milk drinker until they came out with their lactose free kind of like line that they were doing. And okay. then Whoopi was able to participate and was like very excited to do so, which I thought was so adorable. Okay. I love that. Okay. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God though. Okay. I just found Joshua Jackson's thing okay and to preface joshua jackson as charlie conway in the mighty ducks was my sexual awakening like prophet like a am i happy that he's now married to the baby yes am i happy that his wife is super cool also yes but 
mildly sad, but though, oh my God, his thing is salacious. It says, I can't help it. Women of all ages look up to me. Why? I'm six foot two. Thanks in part to milk. The calcium helps bones grow strong. Considering 15% of your adult height is added when you're a teenager. That's good to know. Especially if you want to impress, let's say an older woman. That is directly a saucy quote or like reference to Dawson's Creek. And if you haven't watched Dawson's Creek, God, you have to. It's a little problematic, but like, okay. Oh, God. Joshua Jackson hit me up. Good God, you're attractive. Woof. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, so um, hot. Let's see here. Okay. So, got milk. Just fun facts that people were like celebrities here were being paid about $25,000 per ad, which was a fraction of what stars normally charge for commercials and things like that. But almost all of them Mm -hmm. ended up donating that fee to charity. But basically the whole point of the Got Milk campaign was to increase the consumer's confidence in milk and dairy products and like convince consumers basically that it was, you know, beneficial to their health and added nutritional value. So again, like trying to convince people like you should be drinking milk. The efforts actually did work because the average American ended up consuming, well, the milk now, like very recently, the consumption has gone down, um, but the average American consumes mm-hmm. almost 14 more pounds of cheese a year than they did in 1990. So kind of the Got Milk campaign was successful in terms of like getting people sure. to consume more dairy. But from 2000 to 2017, liquid milk consumption is down 24%. And kind of what we talked about, like people are lactose intolerant, people are using oat milk and soy milk, things like that. But cheese consumption is up 21%. 40% of milk consumption in the U.S. is from kids age 2 to 17. Kind of called out there by your, your celebrity crush uh, with Joshua Jackson that it helps you grow. Kind of to wrap it up, the average American eats about 37 pounds of cheese a year. So overall, we're, yeah. we're eating a lot of cheese. We're eating a lot of dairy. We're trying to make a dent in those cheese caves. <laughs> And I think that's the moral of the story here. Yeah, I didn't really realize how iconic these all were. That's all I got for you on Cheese Caves, though. They still exist. We have a lot of cheese. We should go try to visit them. Really, we have to go to a Cheese Cave. Like, I genuinely feel like that could be Ellen and Belle's great adventure when Ellen comes back to the States. We could, I, we could go on a Cheese Cave road trip. Is there an Alaskan cheese cave? I kind of doubt it. I feel like the logistics of getting the cheese to Alaska would be too much. Okay. That's what I thought because like, because like then it's just, it's, it's because there's not going to be a Hawaiian cheese cave. Like, first of all, something tells me that that is not, you know, that means that it's just a lower 48 Mm -hmm. road trip. Which I'm into. I want to go on a cheese cave road trip. I'm going to (laughs) take I'm going to need a lot of enzyme pills, but like it could be an adventure, but like also that you don't get to eat the cheese in the cheese caves. Not that I'd want to. I mean, yeah, we're going to post, I, we need to post this, um, got milk compilation on our Instagram. And I, we want you to comment who your favorite ad is because this is phenomenal. Absolutely. Oh my God. I I literally could not pick a favorite. (laughs) Like the list I compiled was all the ones that I found so fun. 
<laughs> nope, I take it. Kim control the martini that glass. One is good. Ah! That one is very good. You should see what's underneath. The calcium and milk keeps bones strong and helps prevent osteoporosis. Like they were okay. Let's the fact that these are paid for by your tax dollars. They are a little salacious. A, a little bit. A little bit. Like these are some sexy government <laughs> ads, right? And I think the one that now yeah. brings me the most joy is that Danny DeVito had a got milk ad. I think it's also very timely that Tom Brady, well, Tom Brady and Giselle both have their own got milk ads. I do love the fact that Tom Brady hadn't won uh, a uh, Super Bowl after marrying Giselle. That was fun. Is that true? No, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. No, he won one pretty recently. Until that one, like since he married Giselle, he hadn't won one for like eight years. Because he won a bunch and then he married Giselle and then it was like. Do you feel informed about cheese? This was so great. I kind of love that. I have to now go. I need to go think. I need to go write some episodes because I have some ideas. This was fantastic. Well, I was kind of worried because I'm like, it's not inherently salacious or like there's not like a big scandal that happened but the more I dove into it I was like there are so many layers of cheese and the cheese like industry and empire that the United States has built I was like I have to know more and I have to tell Belle and all of our friends more (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to hot guest history you guys Our music is provided by Pat and Alex from This Side of Paradise. You can find us on Instagram at History, and you can email us any of your thoughts or comments at History at gmail.com. Stay Stay juicy! juicy.